So recently I went on a book ordering uh, rampage and uh, one of the books that I'm currently reading um, is called The Virus by Stanley Johnson. And, um, you know, the description said that it was about an outbreak that, um, you know, a, a CDC head was trying to track down and, and figure out what's going on, um, but that uh, there was some political cover up and and deeper things going on that he would stumble across. So I figured it was uh, worth a read. Um, it was originally published in 1982 under the title The Marburg Virus, but since then it's uh, been um, labeled just the virus. So um, in chapter 12, I just wanted to take a few moments to read an excerpt um, in this chapter because um, this is kind of where things really start to uh, turn around in the book and I couldn't help but notice the modern day parallels um, between what's going on these days and um, and what this book published decades ago talks about. Um, now to preface this excerpt I do want to mention um, you know Lately, there's been a lot of speculation about what's going on in China because they seem to be struggling much harder with uh, an outbreak that also has some different symptoms, including white lung, um, uh, you know, disease is what they're calling it, um, but basically chest scans showing that the lungs are pretty much completely white um, or have large masses of white uh, showing on the scans. Um, their population uh, has really been suffering with just nonstop circulation of what's going on there. And, and what's happening is that it doesn't quite match what uh, is happening in all these other countries, especially with the protocols that they've taken. Um, you would think that they would be faring better uh, because they have... Uh, gone to the greatest lengths to uh, curb outbreak and to control their population. But in fact, we're seeing the very opposite of that. Um, and I've heard uh, different things floating around about, um, you know, they could be fighting a completely different virus altogether, um, uh, given the I guess the symptoms and things like that are just not really adding up to what uh, has been observed with this quote-unquote COVID um, outbreak uh, everywhere else. And anyways, it just really, when I got to this uh, bit of the book, it really made me think about that because um, I'm at a part where there is a meeting between a pharmaceutical uh, giant um, and it's an off-the-record meeting. They just meet at a hotel and they have a chat um, basically about how they're going to destroy the world. And um, so he's meeting with a CIA uh, bigwig um, and this meeting is coordinated by a high-ranking politician um, who is making the introduction between these two guys. So, um, you know, I guess I'll make my point after I go through um, 
these, and it is a few pages, so, you know, bear with me here because the information is relevant and it is important and uh, it, it does inspire a lot of critical thinking and uh, plausibility for what's going on with this situation these days. So I'm going to skip the first couple pages of this chapter and just pick up um, after the introduction is made um, between the politician uh, and, and the other two uh, bigwigs. And then, um, you know, because this is the first time all three of these characters are being introduced within the book, um, the first few pages of this chapter kind of go through who they are a little bit. Um, so I'll uh, bypass all of that. And we're just going to jump right in. And uh, up until this point, they've been talking about some laws um, and loopholes around uh, the United States investigation of chemological and biological uh, warfare. So uh, this is just going to jump right into their conversation. You mean the chemical biological uh, warfare parameters have changed? You bet they have. For some time... One of our main priorities in the chemical biological warfare field has been to examine the potential of exotic viruses. Um, oh, yeah. And I did forget, uh, you know, so far in the book, uh, the gist of what has been happening is that there was an uh, uh, patient zero, I guess you could say, as far as they know, as far as the CDC uh, guy who is investigating this um, so this person showed up after visiting Europe um, in New York where she lives. So she flew back home and then uh, she got really sick, infected several other people uh, with Marburg virus. Um, and if you uh, know anything about that, it's the basically sister virus of Ebola um, and originates in Zaire, Africa. Um, so... <laughs> uh, sorry, I got distracted by my cat. <laughs> um, but yes, so he's been trying to track this down. He's been traveling to various parts of the world, um, trying to uh, find, you know, the origins of how she became infected. Um, and basically, uh, to fast forward a little bit, they kind of decided him and some other politicians who really wanted to, you know, grab headlines and make it sound like they're doing their part in the world. Um, they've decided to go to Zaire and wipe out the monkeys that they, the whole troop of monkeys that they believe are the uh, original carriers of this virus. So they go and carry out this horrendous operation and, um, unbeknownst to the CDC, uh, you know, director, they, CIA actually keeps a couple of these monkeys, um, secretly because they want to research um, more on this virus and uh, basically abuse science with gain-of-function research. So um, anyways, I think that should cover it. So we can go back into it. So anyways, I'll just uh, reread this part. So you mean the chemical biological parameters have changed? You bet they have. For some time, one of our main priorities in the chemical biological warfare field has been to examine the potential of exotic viruses. The potential for what? P 
potential for influencing the balance of power or terror, Stanford warm, warmed to his subject. And Stanford is the CIA uh, malicious guy, um, and he's talking to the pharmaceutical head. Imagine, he said, that the United States and the United States only is in possession of a lethal exotic virus which the whole world believes has been eliminated once and for all because the vector for this lethal exotic virus has itself been eliminated. Talking about the monkeys. Imagine what the United States might be able to do with that virus under certain circumstances. While Woodnut listened fascinated, and Woodnut is the pharmaceutical guy, Stanford explained what he meant. 20 minutes later, the director of the CIA was nearing his conclusion. Only the firm, the CIA, knows about this, he said. It's an agency concept. The Secretary for Health and Human Services, HHS, has no idea. The National Institute of Health, NIH, has no idea. Nor does the Center for Disease Control in Atlanta, Georgia, or any of their people there. Lowell Kaplan, who is the CDC head at this time uh, in this book, whose reports initiated this whole thing, is completely unaware of what we're doing. Frankly, I don't think we could ever expect HHS or NIH or CDC to approve our action. Those institutions are run by medical men, and medical men are guided by medical criteria and priorities. Do you follow? Perfectly. But the mandate of the agency of the CIA is different. We have to look at the interest of the United States as a whole. We cannot afford to make a narrow sectoral view. And it is our best judgment, he spoke with deliberate emphasis at this point, so that Woodnut should not fail to catch his meaning, that the United States cannot afford to let this opportunity slip. What exactly do you mean? Stanford took him through the logic of the whole thing, step by step. Look at it this way, he said. As far as the outside world is concerned, the WHO-sponsored operation has been successful. Um, and WHO is the organization that, uh, that sponsored and carried out the execution of all of the monkeys they believe to be carriers. Uh, continuing. The green monkeys have been eliminated and the threat of Marburg disease has been eliminated with them. As we know, the newspapers have carried the story. Jose Rodriguez, the fat Brazilian who runs the World Health Organization, has had his picture on the front page of the New York Times. Up here on the Hill, Congress has shown its pleasure by increasing... Come here. You can run later. <laughs> Whoops. My cat on his treadmill. I had to kick him out real quick. Anyways, yes, Jose Rodriguez, that fat Brazilian who runs the World Health Organization, has had his picture on the front page of the New York Times. Up here on the Hill, Congress has shown its pleasure by increasing the appropriations both for WHO and HHS. Congressmen like this kind of thing much better than Medicare, you know? It's effective, it's dramatic, and above all, it's cheap. Well said Woodnut, still didn't quite see what, <laughs> Woodnut still didn't quite see what Stanford was driving at. Stanford took his time. He lit a cigarette before continuing. 
and offered the packet to Woodnut, who declined. I said, Stanford repeated, that the outside world thinks we have made a clean sweep of the green monkeys. In fact, that isn't quite true. There were two survivors of that particular massacre, and both of them, he leaned forward and prodded the air dramatically with his forefinger, are now in the care and control of the Central Intelligence Agency of the United States. Woodnut gasped with astonishment, but before he could say anything, Stanford had gone on to describe the circumstances under which the two green monkeys had been returned to the United States. Without specifying the precise nature of the inducements offered to Colonel Albert Mungambu by the CIA's local director and without mentioning the secret air base in the Congo where the transfer of the animals had taken place, Stanford was nevertheless able to embellish his story with a wealth of convincing detail. Intrigued, though he was, by the darling and sheer inventiveness of the CIA's approach, Woodnut believed he saw a fatal flaw in the whole concept. Surely you can't take a bunch of viruses and send them marching off like soldiers in a foreordained direction. Diseases spread in the most unpredictable way. Pharmacorp has been in this business a long time. We try to forecast the course of disease because that way we can have our products at the right place at the right time. But we're often wrong. I can tell you, in my view, you can't take a biological warfare agent like the Marble so freaking annoying i got a call Ugh, that interrupted where i was at and i don't know where i left off but anyways we'll continue surely you can't take a bunch of viruses and send them marching off like soldiers in a foreordained direction diseases spread in the most unpredictable way Pharmacor has been in this business a long time. We try to forecast the course of disease because that way we can have our products at the right place at the right time. But we're often wrong. I can tell you. In my view, you can't take a biological warfare agent like Marburg virus, or whatever it's called, and direct it at the Soviet Union without repercussions on the United States. The thing's just not feasible. It would get back to us somehow, and the population of the United States would have no effective protection any more than the Soviets. Who said the United States would have no protection? Sanford asked the question quietly, but with great force. Well, that protection against the Marburg virus is there, wouldn't it said, sounded petulant. Nobody's mentioned any protection so far except isolation and serum. And as we all know, that's a very limited strategy indeed. I wouldn't risk anything on that, and the Russians would, would know that. But my dear Irving, for the first time, Sanford sounded patronizing. I was not suggesting that we should go in this without protection. If the Marburg virus is to take its place in our national arsenal as a credible deterrent or under the worst case assumption, as an actual usable weapon of war, it is precisely because the United States will have an effective protection against that virus and will, if necessary, be known to have such a protection. But surely there's no protection available on a mass basis. An element of sarcasm had now crept into Sanford's tone of voice. Do I hear right? Do I hear the president of Pharmacor suggesting there's no remedy against this Marburg virus? Is that the kind of positive thinking Pharmacor shareholders have come to expect from the head of America's fastest growing pharmaceutical corporation? 
Today, for the first time, we have a real live vector to work with. We have two live green monkeys steaming hot from the tropical jungles of Zaire. Those monkeys contain the Marburg virus in their blood. I'm not an expert, but as I understand it, that virus can be isolated. It can be attenuated. And it can be mass-produced as a vaccine for the American population. Sanford stood up, carried away by the excitement of his own irresistible vision. That changes the picture, doesn't it? If we have the virus and we have the vaccine and the bloody Russians don't have a damn thing, suddenly wouldn't have saw the whole thing clearly. You want Pharmacor to find a vaccine? Sanford, who was still pacing the room, turned in mid-stride. Oh, more than that. Much more than that. There's a lot in this for Pharmacor, you know. I'm not just talking about discovering the vaccine. Your people can do that, all right. You've got six Nobel Prize winners on your research staff. I know you've got the technological capacity. Stanford dropped his voice. He was kicking a bit more into the pool. I'm talking about a multi-million dollar operation. When you find the vaccine, you're going to put it into mass production. 20 million units? 20 million. No, 200 million units or more. And I want to see every man, woman, and child in the United States protected against Marburg virus. I want us to be a wholly protected population. It's not enough to have the occasional fallout shelter here and there. I want total protection. Irving Woodnut was silent for a long time as he reviewed what Sanford had said. He could not help focusing on the limitless possibilities which a scheme of this nature offered for himself and Pharmacor. 200 million units at a minimum at, say, $10, $20 a throw? Wholly unwritten, I suppose, he asked. We wouldn't be manufacturing on spec. No, of course not. The U.S. government would guarantee to purchase the whole amount. Woodnut thought he saw another flaw in the plan. I thought the U.S. government as such, wasn't overly party to this. How are you going to get 200 million doses of anti-Marburg vaccine into the American population without going public? Dick Sanford smiled at him, a warm, frank, friendly smile, which told the president of Pharmacor in no uncertain terms to mind his own business. Let's take it one step at a time, shall we? I'll look after my problems. You look after yours. One last thought occurred to Woodna as they rose to leave. These monkeys, then, where are they? If we're to start working on the vaccine right away, we'd better get them over to our laboratories in Pittsburgh as soon as possible. Stanford smiled yet again, an even warmer, franker, friendlier smile than before. Didn't I tell you? We flew the monkeys straight into Pittsburgh. We're holding them for you now at the airport there. They're still on the plane awaiting collection. Irving Woodnut felt slightly ruffled. You kind of took me for granted there, didn't you? Stanford laid, oh, Sanford laid an encouraging hand on the other man's arm. Aw, oh, come on. Peabody's an old hand. He doesn't make mistakes. At least, not that kind of mistake. So, um, the whole book itself is just extremely um, insightful. And uh, the reason that I think about this, and it makes me recall the world's current situation, particularly what's going on in China um, and, you know, uh, COVID and all of that and the mass uh, campaign to vaccine or vaccinate, especially in the West, um, more so than anywhere else. 
it just makes me think um, about all of this uh, together because uh, just a few weeks or so before China had its first um, case um, and, you know, kind of aired out what was going on in 2019 with the COVID outbreak um, as it was uh, beginning there, uh, strains of viruses were actually sent from Canada to China um, in some of their laboratories. Um, and some of these uh, viruses uh, included uh, Ebola, COVID, SARS, um, and I think a couple of other ones that I can't quite remember. And it's just so parallel to what's happening uh, today with these pharmaceutical giants who uh, basically have uh, overstepped world governments. Um, If you have uh, read into any of the contracts that these countries who have received um, AstraZeneca or... um, what are the other ones? Uh, you know, Johnson and Johnson or the big one. Who is that in particular? I cannot freaking recall right now. Oh my gosh. Uh, Pfizer. Yes. Those devils. So Pfizer specifically, um, all of their, uh, you know, agreements that they have with these countries basically strips, uh, the rights of you know, other countries' governments and puts Pfizer in charge of their decision-making, of things that they can do, of how where the money goes, just all of these things. And so the control and the billions and billions of dollars that these pharma companies are making is just out of control. And then you think about the, the times that we're in with, uh, you know, the struggles that are going on between uh, the U.S. and China and the U.S. and Russia um, and how we're inevitably going to war. I, I've been talking about this uh, mostly on my Twitter, honestly, because I just don't really do podcasts or uh, videos or anything like that. But I'm going to try to get better about that um, and cover some some things. Uh, but usually I kind of leave it up to other people and I kind of just talk to people I know about this stuff um, and you know, don't really do any, uh, platform, uh, you know, speaking or anything like that, but I don't know, maybe that might change. Um, but yeah, it's just all so critical to know this information, how it all ties in together. Um, you know, and especially now we're starting to see people drop dead of, you know, rare complications that are happening, um, with much more frequency than, than they're uh, formerly known to happen. So, um, you know, personally in the past um, year or so, I know about 14 or 15 people that have just kind of suddenly croaked over. Um, and every other reason in the book is given except for what we all know to be true. And that's because it is the vaccines. Now, some people will ask like, well, how come, some people have this happening, but others are just fine. And that goes back to the actual lot numbers and the manufacturing of these vaccines. So um, lot, lots of these, uh, you know, vials were actually uh, produced as placebos. So there was no active um, 
you know, agents within the vaccines. It was just basically like saline solution. Um, while others, and this is all randomized, um, were live, live shots. So, um, you know, it makes it really hard to track down who got what and how that's affecting um, people. But I do think that this is part of the reason why they require um, multiple vaccinations and they're saying, oh, get this booster, get the third booster, get the fifth booster. Um, Because, you know, if they gave it to everyone all at once, it would be way too apparent to a lot of the, you know, ignorant masses that, oh, well, everyone got the first one and then everyone started having complications. They have to randomize it this way to make it not so obvious and make it hard for people who don't critically think to put everything together. But yes, if you scatter them and say, you know, all it takes is is one vaccine really, but if you happen to be one of the unfortunate ones who get more than that, you know, maybe your timeline for uh, deterioration kind of speeds up there a bit. But uh, essentially because there hasn't been really any informed consent that comes along with being inoculated, um, people don't really have individuals who are receiving in these inoculations don't really have any way to know um, the information that is specific to the injection that they got, the lot number, where it came from, things like that. Even a lot of doctors and pharmacists have come out and said that they have have never seen anything like this with the lack of informed consent and they themselves actually um you know don't know much of the time uh those details so um you know but we're starting to see it catch up with a lot of people um we're starting to see a lot of things um that are going negatively and especially um you know people who uh, you see a lot of athletes and a lot of plane crashes lately, and that's because uh, under even the most favorable and normal of conditions, um, those people have a uh, cardiac strain with what they regularly do. Um, obviously, athletes exerting a lot of energy, a lot of, um, you know, uh, elevating their respiratory, um, you know, state, their uh, cardiac blood flow, things like that, they're, <laughs> when they're obviously like doing their jobs and they're out on the field or court or whatever it is that they're doing, you know, they're going to be amongst the first people to drop um, despite the, you know, otherwise uh, top-notch healthy condition that they're usually in uh, because of the strain that's that's being put on those areas that are being most effective, like, affected like the heart. Um, or afflicted, I should say. But, um, you know, and and as for pilots, the same thing goes, you know, um, your body uh, undergoes strain when you're at uh, higher levels of altitude, obviously. So they are also, um, and it is, it has been enforced and required by airlines um, for uh, pilots and for uh, stewardesses and um, you know, their employees to get, to get jabbed. So, you know, again, they're going to be amongst the, uh, most common, um, afflicted that we see in headlines. And I swear, if you, 
if you've been paying any attention, excuse me, to um, headlines and just looking into it on your own, even if it's not in headlines, um, the amount of plane crashes that have been going on in the past couple of years has skyrocketed. And obviously, we all know the story with athletes that have been dropping all around the world, um, soccer players, uh, you know, football players, just everyone is really uh, kind of dropping like flies. And uh, again, this is all prophesied in the Bible. Um, so, uh, you know, if you haven't looked into that, that's a whole other subject for another day. Um, but I advise you to uh, <laughs> to learn some of what that has to say about what we're going through now. And um, there's different ways to decipher everything that's going on. You know, I always, like I say, advocate for uh, having a multitude of sources. I love following um, really, uh, you know, smart and uh, critical thinking uh, preppers. Um, I do follow some uh, people who are uh, analyze the ways of the world these days uh, from a more religious standpoint. Um, I do follow um, some doctors and research organizations who analyze it from that perspective. Um, you know, obviously, um, people who analyze what's going on from a financial perspective, um, and then people who look at the, uh, I guess, the global interactions and think about it from a war perspective. There's so much to learn from all of these different um, industries and people who, you know, actually ask questions um, and and relate it back to important things. Oh, and astrologers too. There are some astrologers who are just, they're so knowledgeable and that's such an underrated science um, as well as uh, historians and people who, um, you know, can make uh, correspondences um, between history and what's going on today. I mean, but that is to say, all of these people are just so smart and there's so much to learn on all of these fronts, you know. And, and the crazy thing to me is that they all are in different industries, they have different knowledge, uh, different approaches to analyzing what's going on these days and where we're headed. Um, with great accuracy, because I've been following a lot of these people for years and years. Um, and, you know, they've really helped me get my life together, learn a lot, uh, prepare, um, and, and have the foresight to see what's coming, uh, and all of the inevitabilities that we're facing. So, you know, I, I do uh, encourage you to um, take the time to listen to all of these various perspectives and um, what I was going to say is that it's just crazy to me how different as they are, they all point to the same conclusions. And it's like, it's just undeniable. There's so many avenues to achieve this information and to learn from it. And yet so many people are ignorant um, and choose to ignore what's going on or just don't care. Um, so yeah, it's it can't be understated. Um, but anyways... I know this kind of turned into a little bit of a, a story time and a read aloud situation. Um, I really pretty much never read out loud. I'm always just reading quietly to myself. So hopefully I didn't completely butcher it. Um, you know, I'm definitely not an expert at 
um, you know, uh, reading circle, uh, hosting. <laughs> but I do recommend this book, again, by Stanley Johnson um, called The Virus. Um, it's so good. And one of my favorite places to get books is uh, thrift books. They're so cheap. You Most of the books that I've gotten are like less than like $4. So um, again, what kind of price can you really put on on self-educating and learning I mean that's just what a freaking bargain um but yes you know if it sounds interesting to you look into it I think you'll be blown away by a lot of the things um that (laughs) that are uh you know shown in this book um another one of my favorite favorite virus books not really as political um, is The Hot Zone. I've read that book so many times. And then I did get several other books in addition to this uh, book. It's just um, the first book that I decided to pick up. Um, but I did get many others that are also on um, epidemics and uh, viruses and also survival after outbreaks in a kind of dystopian society. So um, I'm looking really forward to to all of those novels. Um, and obviously I do a ton of reading, um, not in book form, um, but in uh, peer-reviewed research article form. So I do get the you know, actual scientific study side of it as well. Um, I do listen to a ton of lectures on this stuff. So, you know, I'm not just over here reading novels and making wild uh, accusations and and jumping to conclusions. I think when you take um, the news, again, all of those uh, different perspectives from uh, professionals and in various, uh, I guess, disciplines, um, you take, like I said, uh, the the books and movies that we have, um, you just learn from all of it, and it's right before your eyes, both in fiction, um, in predictive programming, and in current reality. So it's undeniable, and again, hopefully you garnered something from this, and uh, maybe I'll catch you next time. Not sure when that'll be, but I guess maybe when I feel like I have something Uh, relevant to say that hasn't already been said by many other people. (laughs) So um, that'll be that. (laughs) Have a nice day.